0: As we get started this morning, I wanna ask you a question. The question is, what does it truly mean to know someone? Because there's a big difference between knowing about someone and actually knowing them. Years ago, whenever I met my now wife, Kate, I looked her up on Facebook, as you would suspect. This is back whenever Facebook was for college students and people like my grandmother were on it. And to be honest, I studied her page a little bit. As a guy who never had a girlfriend before, never had much romantic interest thrown my way, I needed all the help that I could get to up my flirtation game, right? So I found out a lot of things about her. Her friends, where she went to high school, favorite bands. So let me ask you a question. Did I actually know Kate at this point? No, no I did not. I said that I did. You said you used to do a lot of things about her because you stalked her Facebook. At that point, I didn't know, truly know her. I didn't truly begin to know her until we started having a personal, conversational relationship. In a much greater way, the Christian life isn't about, about accumulating a bunch of facts and interesting tidbits about Jesus. It's not about being able to get a perfect score on a scriptural trivia contest. The point of knowing Jesus and his word so we can become more like Him, engage him in genuine relationship, and tr- truly be changed from the inside out. The knowledge that we have about Jesus shouldn't just stay in our brains. It should go down to our hearts, it should go through our mouths, into our hands and our feet. The knowledge that we have about Jesus to transform how we think about anything, how we feel about every- everything, and how we treat everyone. So as Pastor Dan mentioned earlier, we're in the midst of our PBJ campaign. We're calling and challenging each other to pray for non-Christians around us, to seek out ways every single day to be a tangible blessing and to shine the light of Christ in our communities, our neighborhoods, our schools, and our workplaces. But the thing is, if you wanna be an effective prayer, if you wanna be an effective blesser, you must constantly evaluate and work on your relationship with Christ throughout this message I want to show you why knowing and being in relationship with Jesus is so important for leaning into the person he created you to be and doing what he has called you to do right, so why is knowing Jesus so important number one because no one is more important than him because no one is more important than him This first point may seem very simple and very obvious, but man, it's really hard to live in light of. I think we can all agree that we live in a culture that worships at the altar of fame. Instagram and TikTok are filled with these influencers who are basically famous for being famous. There are so many reality shows out there that are centered around the most self-centered people you'll ever come across. There are like a bajillion ESPN substations that are 24-7 about the most athletically gifted people on this planet. If you were to go out in the streets of Pittsburgh today and ask this question, the question is, who is the most important person on the planet right now? What kind of answers do you think you get? You might hear the President of the United States, another world leader, a wealthy titan of industry. <clears throat> what if you made that more personal? Who is the most important person in your life? You hear things like my mom, my dad, my wife, my husband, my kids, my best friend. Let me narrow that focus even more and direct that question to you. Who is the most important person in your life? Can you truly say, can I truly say that Jesus Christ is the most important person in our lives? Well, the answer to that question changes from not just day to day, not just minute to minute, but second to second. You know, most of our problems and all of our sinful choices are born out of this one sad reality. We often don't think that Jesus is enough for us. We very often don't fully believe that Jesus is the most important person in our lives. we choose to give in into temptation, whenever we choose to do something that we know we shouldn't do, We're declaring to God, this thing can give me something that you cannot. We don't say it with our mouths but we say it with our actions. When we choose to not be in the word, when we choose not to be in prayer for a day or several days, we're telling God, my schedule, my job, all of their things are more important than spending time with you. God has given us so many good gifts. He's given us so many pleasures, so many things for us to enjoy, but they can never, ever usurp his place as supreme in our lives, even our family, even our friends. Here again, God's given us his good gifts of children, spouses, and friends, but our love for these people should pale in comparison to our love for Jesus Christ. I know one of the most challenging verses in the Testament for me as a father is Matthew ten thirty seven, where Jesus says this, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Is it hard for me, anybody else besides me? You know, I've been a dad for about two and a half years now, and I can honestly say it, I can't think of much I wouldn't do for my kids. For those of you parents, you know it's impossible to put your love for your kids into words. But that love I have for my son Sam, my daughter Emmy, should be multiplied times a million I'm talking about my love for Jesus. There never has been or ever will be someone more important than Christ. The study of him trumps the study of world leaders, American presidents, innovative inventors, celebrities, even our spouses, and even our kids. Who could possibly be more interesting? Who could possibly be more significant than the creator of the universe and the savior of sinners? So we know this to be true. We understand this with our minds, but why is it so hard to live out? Why is it so hard to love Jesus more than everyone and anything? Why is it so hard to love him more than our family members, more than our friends? Well, there's a number of reasons for that. Number one, we've never physically seen him in person. We don't hear him speak to us in the same way that other people speak to us. I can't think of one other person in my life who means so much to me that I've never seen in person or at least talked to over FaceTime. Our relationship with Christ is so unique, it's so different than any other relationship that you'll have or will ever have. It takes the most energy. It takes the most effort, but is by far the most rewarding. The Apostle Peter describes how we should feel about Jesus, despite the abnormal nature of our relationship with him. He says this, "'Though you have not now seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory.'" You know, loving our family and friends more than Jesus isn't just dishonoring to Him. It's actually hurtful for ourselves, and it's hurtful for our loved ones as well. If I love my wife more than Jesus, then she becomes the one I look to for my sense of identity, purpose, and fulfillment. And by doing that, I put a crushing weight upon her that she can never fulfill. That's going to lead to a lot of frustration, a lot of confusion. That's why there's so many issues across this country today in marriage. We look to some other human being to meet that void that only God can meet. Kate is an imperfect person just like me, and neither of us can give the other person what we desperately need. So many parents center their lives around their kids. And I totally get this temptation because it's so easy to fall into. But by doing so, they place unbearable pressure upon their kids to perform, to succeed at school, athletics, other extracurricular activities. We see the downsides of a children-centric home in the Wexford area. Can I get an amen to that, please? (laughs) We see this downside all the time. So many kids are just burning out, turning to sinful activities. So many kids struggling with depression, suicide rates skyrocketing. The child-centric model does not work. We need to go with the Jesus-centric model, which is God comes first, my spouse comes second, and my children come third. We often flip that order and so much pain and so much heartache comes along with it. If we truly wanna be effective Christians, if we truly wanna be effective parents, And spouses, if we want to be effective in this PBJ campaign, we have to put Jesus on the throne of our hearts. He has to be the number one priority in our lives. If he's not, all these things that we're talking about will not come to pass. We're not going to love people the way we're supposed to. We're not going to truly pray for them the way we should. We're not going to effectively bless them. Jesus has to be number one. This is a battle we all have to engage in. And again, as I said earlier, it's a battle of second by second. Secondly, why is knowing Jesus so important? Because he is the author and object of my faith. He is the author and object of my faith. Again, this may seem like an obvious thing to say, but this statement is so important to understand, and we must constantly remind ourselves of it. We can only be saved. We can only live a Christ-honoring life through faith in Him. Apart from Him, we can't have a relationship with God. We can't experience true joy or lead lives of sacrificial service. Faith is essential for living the Christian life. It's essential for our justification, our being made right before God, as well as our sanctification, our becoming more like Christ every single day. You know, why is faith the means by which we are justified. Why aren't we saved by grace through kindness, by grace through love? Did you ever think about that? It's because faith is the anti-work. It's the polar opposite of trying to earn your place in God's family. When you place your faith in Jesus, you are declaring to him, I am not enough, but you are. I can't do it, but you can. You're declaring that I can only be saved by your grace, in your grace alone. The author of Hebrews describes faith in this way. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. It's placing all of our trust, all of our hope in Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Again, even though we've never seen him, we're trusting that he is real and he keeps his promises to us. As I said earlier, faith isn't just essential for our justification or being made right before God, but it's essential for our sanctification, becoming more like Him every single day. In this room, I'm not worried that many of you are trusting in yourselves for salvation, but I am worried that many of us are trusting in ourselves for our sanctification. So often we're trying to live this life in our own power. We don't daily recognize our need for God. You know, we live in a pretty affluent, pretty nice area, and it's really easy to think we have it all handled. I pay my bills, I take care of my family, I do this, I do that. No, you don't. God is the one who does that. He's the one who gives those gifts to you. Yes, sanctification is a two-way street of us working with God, but if we're not recognizing our neediness, if we're not going to Him, we're not going to travel very far down that road. I love what Paul says in Colossians 1 29, that he serves the church with all the energy that Christ powerfully works within me. Paul knew he couldn't live the Christian life on his own. Faith in Jesus fueled his spiritual tank. And the gas for that spiritual tank is actually free, not 430. (laughs) You know, a commentary I read over the past couple years summed up my entire point in one sentence. He's like, why couldn't you just said that sentence a long time ago? But I'll say it now. From start to finish, the Christian life is by grace through faith. It's that simple. From start to finish, the Christian life is by grace through faith. You never graduate beyond the gospel. You never reach a point where you're too mature for faith in Christ. You must constantly recognize your inability and Christ's infinite ability. All right, thirdly, why is knowing Jesus so important? Because he never changes, yet always amazes. He never changes, yet always amazes. Hebrews 13:8 tells us this awesome news. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus is perfectly holy, righteous, and pure. He never changes or has to change. And that is awesome news. You know, it's really bad news if a person, if a regular person, never changes. We've all seen that in our lives, right? Where you see someone who just constantly stands still, or maybe they even backslide, backpedal, and get worse. That's a really sad thing to see. So why is it such good news that Jesus never changes? Well, we've all been lied to. We've all been let down. We've all trusted in someone and have them fail us. That's never going to happen with Jesus, He is rock solid. He is dependable. We can anchor our lives upon his sturdy foundation. And even though he never changes, he never ceases to amaze and surprise us as well. You know, years ago, I had someone tell me, Taylor, I don't have to read the Bible. I read it a long time ago. I know exactly what it says. And I'm like, really? I study this Bible for a living. And I still feel like there's so much I do not know. You can study this book 24-7, read thousands of books about Jesus, and still not scratch the surface of how awesome He is, how majestic He is, and what He wants to do in your life. You know, who's ever read the Chronicles of Narnia? Anybody? Who's, who's seen the movie? That might bring more hands. Okay, some of us have seen some of those movies. Well, for those of you who don't know, this is a seven-book series that was written decades ago by C.S. Lewis, and it centers around these young kids who travel to a magical land named Narnia. And there's only one character who appears in every single book, and who is that? Aslan. And Aslan, as you can see, isn't a human being. He's a talking lion. And C.S. Lewis said that Aslan is how he would imagine Jesus would appear in a magical place like Narnia. In the fourth book, Prince Caspian, Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy come back to Narnia. They meet Aslan again, and Lucy is just amazed by how much bigger Aslan looks. And she says, Aslan, you've gotten bigger. And he says, actually, I haven't. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. The more we grow, the more we mature in our faith, the bigger Jesus Christ will look to us. He never changes, but hopefully our perspective on him changes from day to day. Hopefully our awe of him, our love for him, increases with each passing year. You know, being consistent in prayer for non-Christians, looking for ways to be a blessing, shine the light of Christ and developing relationships with unbelievers, that may seem overwhelming to you. Maybe you look at the goals of PBJ and you think, that's just too much for me. I can't do it. You know what? You're right. You can't do it. Let's pray. Now I'm a joke. <laughs> you can't do it. But guess what? You have an awesome God who is way bigger than you can possibly imagine, and He can do it through you. He is on your side, He is in your corner. You are small, but He is big. As I said several years ago in a message, So often, we think our problems are so massive because we have such a small view of who God is. But the bigger you see God is, the smaller your problems, the smaller your obstacles really look. Small God, big problems, big God, small problems. All right, finally, why is knowing Jesus so important? Because I need to become more like him. Because I need to become more like him. You know, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is John 3.30. A lot of my favorite verses are really short summations of the Christian life where John the Baptist says this, He must increase, but I must decrease, talking about Jesus. The goal of our lives is to become the most sanctified and Christ-like versions of ourselves we possibly can. We'll never attain perfection in this life, but we should want to move forward each passing day. Realistically, our sanctification is like an up and down line chart. One day we're doing really good, maybe one day we backslide. We grow in one area, we stall out in another, but hopefully that line graph is moving surely and rightly in that direction towards Christ. If you want to become more like him, you have to fix your eyes on him. You know, 10 years ago when I was in college, I met up with a friend at the Geneva Student Union. He was just really struggling with a lot of different issues. A lot of them were born out of issues with his parents going back to when he was a kid where there's a lot of alcoholism and abuse going on in the home. He said, Taylor, I just don't want to be like my dad. I said, I totally get that. Who do you want to be like? Who do you want to be? He kept saying, I I just don't want to be like my dad. I said, again, I get that, but that's not enough. You can't just focus on who you don't want to be. You have to focus on who you want to be. When you're driving, where do you look? You look forward at the road so you can get safely to your destination. Now what if you keep looking to the side of the road thinking, I don't want to drive off the road and crash in that ditch. I don't want to drive off the road and crash in that ditch. You're going to drive off the road and crash in that ditch. You have to keep your eyes firmly fixed ahead of you to drive safely. In the same way, you need to keep your eyes firmly set on Christ to become more like him. Keep your eyes glued on him at all times. And I wish I could take credit for that advice, but I really just kind of stole the words of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down, At the right hand of the throne of God. If we truly want to fix our eyes upon Jesus and become more like him, we have to learn from his example. This is why we're challenging everyone in the church right now to read the Gospel of Luke together over the next two months. And after my sermon's over, Amber Stites will come up to explain more about this reading plan and what it looks like. You know, every single time I return to the Gospel of Luke and the other three Gospels, I'm just constantly amazed. By Jesus. I'm amazed by who he is. I'm amazed by what he does. He's so good. He's so loving. He's firm when he needs to be. He's everything that I wish I could be. And I'm so sad of the days that I'm not like him. You know, whenever I study him in the Gospels, I'm reminded of his greatness and my lowliness. I'm reminded of how much more I have to go in my journey. But I know along the way, he'll be with me and he'll give me the grace until I cross that finish line someday. But in the meantime, we must all cling to the words of John the Baptist, as I said earlier, he must increase, but I must decrease. Say that aloud with me. He must increase, but I must decrease. Do you really mean that? His plans and his purposes must far outweigh our own. His holy desires must replace our worldly ones. His servant-like attitude must push out our negative and self-centered attitudes. His love must replace our indifference and hate. This world desperately needs more people like Jesus. Are we willing to meet that need? Are we up to the task? In the midst of this J section of PBJ, Jesus is calling us to glow closer to Him. He's calling us to be molded into His image. Let us submit to that process and stop resisting. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your Son. We thank you for all that He has done for us and all that He continues to do for us. Lord, this time in history is so difficult, so many uncertainties, so many confusions, so many frustrations. Lord, we thank you that you are our solid rock. You are our foundation. The whole entire world can be shaken and is being shaken, but you never will. Lord, help us to set our hopes, our expectations, our longings on you alone. And Lord, help us to effectively shine your light to show your love to everyone we come across. In Jesus' name. Amen.